You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 168 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm really good, Val. How are you going? How's the boating? Where have you been? What's going on? I haven't been anywhere, but I have a book called... That's... How do you sail on a book? No, no. It's called Honey, Let's Buy a Boat. Oh, good name book. It is a good name for a book. And so uh, it's by a guy called Darren Finkelstein. And so I'm learning about, uh, well, what I need to know if I am then going to take the plunge to buy a boat. So I haven't progressed very far because we move quite slowly up here. (laughs) I'll be up in a month. You've got a month. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to have a boat, my own boat, within a month. But um, we can certainly hire one, no problem. Okay, great. Well, can we take photos while we're on yes. the boat? We can do a photo shoot on the boat. I've done a photo shoot with you on a boat. Have you? Yeah, in the oh. middle of the ocean off um, Cebu. Yes, that's right. But we won't have like a supermodel captain. Or our amazing crew. Or sunset. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I can't, yeah, provide all those things. There might be some fish in the water or something. I don't we'll know. I have to think of some props. All right. Uh, but we want to give a big shout-out, huge shout-out, biggest <laughs> shout-out to Claudia Hoffman, possibly Claudia Hoffman, um, f- from Cologne in Germany. I reckon Germany. it's Claudia because, okay. you know, Claudia Schiffer. Uh, how do you know Claudia Schiffer says it that way? Because, uh, well, maybe, maybe not then. <laughs> but it probably is Claudia because you would say Orphidazin. So I would say that's Claudia. Yeah, okay. Uh, so from Cologne in Germany and C- Claudia posted an awesome mini movie that she created about her morning routine <laughs> on Facebook. Oh, Hello. It was just fantastic. I have photos. Actually, I don't know. Did I post them? I can't remember. You did I have with- photos of my cat Rocky watching this mini movie that Claudia made. And it's about how she – it's her morning routine about how she, you know, makes a coffee and then goes cycling and her dog comes with her and all, all this stuff that she does in the morning. And one of the aspects of the morning is that she listens to the podcast, this podcast. <laughs> That's <laughs> she, so cool. And she calls – she's called it a little insight into my Gina Militia morning routine <laughs> and how by the time she gets back from her bike ride and all of this and takes off her shoes, it's, it's the um, – it's the ending credits of, uh, of, of the podcast. And oh, it's just such a cool little mini movie. I was like so chuffed when I saw it. Oh. I, I loved it. It's fantastic. Made my day. It was so good. So Made good. And my day. Claudia's work is she's an amazing photographer. Amazing. I went amazing. to her website, yeah, as you did, after uh, – after this, you know, after this, and oh my god, she's like, she's like, you know, fantastic, yeah, fantastic. Mm. So many different uh, um, uh, types of photography as well. So absolutely brilliant. So thank you, Claudia. You've made our days, weeks, even months, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thrilled to be accompanying you on your bike rides in Germany. We could be on on a bike ride with her now. 
Yeah. Listening to this yes. with the dog. And she's got super cute cat and dog. Yeah. The yes. cat doesn't get to go on the bike rides though. No, but, you know, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. But, Your um, cats do. You put them on a leash, don't you? Do you still do that? Have you still got the Pope Mobile? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yes, so little Rexy has a Pope Mobile, which is mm. a little uh, like a pram. But yeah. you know, enclosed with netting, and he just mm. sit, sits there and watches his subjects as he mm. rolls past them. Yeah. Yes, and joggers do double takes and almost trip as they run past you. <laughs> You're wheeling a cat around the neighbourhood, right? As only Valerie Coo uh, could. <laughs> he enjoys it. That's what matters. That's it. Um, Anyway, and we also have a shout-out to Shelley Withers who has left a note saying, I have to say thank you to Gina and Val. I work as a director of finance and HR and have over an hour drive to get home from work. I had the longest day yesterday and the longest week and really needed a friend, so I turned on the podcasts to listen to a couple of friends. It's funny I have not met them but feel like they are my friends. Listening to their podcast is like sitting next to a warm fire and a good book. Oh, my goodness. So nice. So lovely. And hopefully one day we will meet. Maybe yep. we should try and do like a live podcast yep. thing, you know, Definitely. one day. I think we should do a live uh, maybe towards the end of the year to celebrate the uh, the end of the year and um, get more as many champagne. people. With more champagne. Oh, definitely. This champagne is <laughs> like no brainer, of course. <laughs> All of right. Of course. So we're possibly in the back of the car with uh, Shelley as she drives home now. Yes. Well, you know, good on you. Thank you so much for letting, yeah. me, letting us know and taking the time to let us know because um, it just means so much to us that you um, take the time to do that, especially after you have had such a long day and week. And hopefully this week is better. So thank you, Shelley. Right, now let's move on to this week's slightly unusual topic. It's one that Gina picked and it's, it just rolls off your tongue, rolls off your tongue. It's how to shoot higher quality images in less time with fewer frames and less gear. That rolls off your tongue. It's like poetry, poetry. Poetry. to shoot higher quality images in less time with fewer frames and less gear. So (laughs) it's a cracker of a topic, Gina. I would have thought of exactly the same thing to think of something really succinct and catchy. So... Where do we start on this one? So do we start on with the, Do we start while. with the higher quality images, or the less time, or the fewer frames, or the less gear? What, what was that, Val? <laughs> you just continue. Go on. Um, do, do you want to know what how I came up with it? Go on. So it, it's just that it's something that I've noticed over the last little while that it's like. I trained as a commercial photographer, so I always used to think that I needed the full studio set and every gadget I own to get a great image, right? Mm. And I've also noticed that uh, because I've been doing a lot of photo critiques that there are a lot of photographers that like once you've got knowledge under your belt, uh, it's something and you know how to do stuff, you want to try and – use every trick in the book uh, almost like to prove yourself that you're good enough. And you see, you often see this with, um, say, a singer who's really good uh, and uh, early in their career may get up on stage and do all of that sort of vocal acrobatics, you Mm. know. You see it when they're auditioning for stuff. And basically you'll see a singer who has perhaps had uh, longer in their career will just – do it, um, pair it right back mm. and just do a, uh, a simpler version without all the acrobatics, without having to prove themselves. And, and um, you know, you see that with musicians as well that, that, that will add all these extra notes that they didn't really need to just to, 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 to get that performance across. And, and so I, I was um, one of those photographers and there is a time and a place to when you need to maybe have the high production value on a shoot like if you are doing a commercial shoot and you want you 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 do need to take the time and the 
use the extra lighting to to get the end result. But there are times when like you don't need all the extra lights, you don't need all the extra gadgets, you don't need all every trick in the book to get a good shot. And in fact, it may detract from the shot. So um, there are ways that you can um, think about this and there are ways that you can speed up your photo sessions. And this uh, particularly sort of occurred to me on my recent trip as I was traveling through Sri Lanka trying to get some uh, good shoots. I had two assistants who uh, didn't allow me much time to shoot. (laughs) Right. And they were? Uh, my son and my daughter who mm-hmm. gave me zero time. They're like, okay, we're going to come. We're going to assist for you, but hurry up. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had to get the shots in uh, very, very few frames before I lost them basically yes. to, uh, to to go off and, and head somewhere else. But, but what it showed me was it's like, you know, well, maybe there are times when, I, you know, I don't need to take as long to get the shot and it forced me to just do it in fewer frames and uh, it, it, it was like it's it's kind of changed my approach to photography now for a lot of things. The other reason that I have um, shot like this is because I do have clients that don't allow me and due to the circumstances, I don't get a lot of time to do the shot. And I think yeah. it's an important skill for photographers to have because it's all well and good to be able to, uh, say, set up a folio shoot where you have all the time in the world to think about your lighting, to think about your position, to think about everything about the shot, take your time, look at the back of the screen, adjust your exposure. But in reality, Val, Mm. that's not how a photo shoot often works. It's often pressure. You've got very little time. You've got people uh, interrupting the shoot. You've got other opinions coming in. And so you need to be be able to shoot in a way that's really decisive and also to to not second guess yourself because the minute you start doing that, your work goes in in another direction and you probably had it right the first time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that can hijack your shoot. So I think they're really important skills to have. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how we can speed up a photo session uh, to, to, and uh, the, the, the things and how you can develop these skills. So I think mm-hmm. the most important thing you need to do is to plan ahead before you do the shoot. So yes. know in your head, have, have a firm idea of how you want your photo to look and what you want because often I see um, less experienced photographers will turn up to a shoot and not really have a clear idea in their head and hope that it will present itself. And often it does. Often something will present itself, but it's a very painful way to get the shot where you're going, okay, and and I see this all the time. All right, so let's try this. Mm-hmm. Nah, that doesn't look any good. Let's, have you ever been photographed like that? Yes. Let's try, yeah, done like that. Yeah, let's try that. So what happens in that situation is if you're photographing um, someone mm-hmm. and you're, that's your approach, the person that you're photographing is going to lose confidence in you very mm. quickly and they're going to go, well, you know, what's wrong here? Why aren't you getting the shot? Whereas if you come in with a definite idea at the start, there's a couple of things that can happen. Like your idea, you could, there is a like a very high chance that you might be able to pull it off. The other thing that happens is as you're shooting that, you may see something else happens and you may be able to go off on that tangent, but you've already got the shot that you already planned and then you've got the opportunity to then take that shot to another level because something will happen the Mm. often the model looks a certain way or will sit in a certain way and if you can pick up on that then you can go all right wow now let's try this but you've got a sort of a really confident demeanor about you and it doesn't look like you were making it up as you go along and can I suggest as well so I agree with all of those things and but one of the things as well is if you get to if you don't if you aren't able to go to that location beforehand for some reason obviously try and get there early but and if you are meeting a client there that's great but get there early but um don't wait for your client to get there before you start 
seeing which are the good corners. You know, get yes. a stand in. Don't wait for your client to get there. I can't tell you the number of times I've been on a shoot where I've been photographed and it's not that they say, oh, that doesn't look good or whatever. It's that they just keep on shooting in the crap location. And it's like, did you not use the stylist as a stand in in the, you know, 20 yeah. minutes or 15 minutes while you're waiting for me that I can't yeah. believe the people who don't bother setting it up beforehand set it up if you have the opportunity and you look so good to your clients when you do this and mm. and um it, this is what I always did from the start of my career and it was about like because I didn't want to have to uh, rehearse a shoot in front of a client blind. I wanted to know exactly it was just it was a control thing on my part Val, but I mm. wanted to know exactly what I was doing before uh, the client stepped onto the set. So that brings me to the, my next point is that that I would go around and um, line up my shots, look for my backgrounds, work everything out and have a, a, a decisive shot list. So if my client needed three looks, I would have every look mapped out. And then when mm. my client stepped on set, I'm like, okay, first shot is here. Second shot is going to be here. Third shot is going to be here. And the reason I would do this was A, to show the client to, to, to so that they would have confidence in me that I knew what I was doing. Secondly, to and, and this is before hair and makeup and styling is done. So the second reason to do this was to show the makeup artist exactly what locations we were going to be shooting in so they had an idea of how they might do the hair and makeup and thirdly if there was a stylist involved then they could think okay well if this is the color palette we're going to be working with for this background then it's a good idea that I use this pantsuit or this dress or this suit for this location and even if you don't have a hair and makeup artist and stylist it's a good idea to show the client first then you go to the clothes they've got and you think well like you know this um navy jumper that you 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 have here would be perfect for uh this uh particular wall that i had the first Mm. location second location would work with this suit and third location with that outfit as well so that's uh, i went to a shoot once where there was a stylist that i you know had paid for and she didn't bring any clothes (laughs) yeah no they dress you with your own stuff i'm just like are you serious? <laughs> what? So did you have anything to wear? I brought some things, but I expected yeah. her to bring like accessories and like, you know, just other things that would, would be useful. Yeah. I was just like, are you serious? So you know, she just so. put together the clothes you already had? Yeah, but they, they weren't even – it wasn't even like in my home where she could go attack my entire wardrobe. It was just a bunch of – handful of hangers that I brought with me in the car. Right. Unbelievable. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? Because there are stylists that do. They'll come along and they'll bring uh, accessories and, That's you know. That's what I thought you'd at least bring like some that. scarves or, you know, accessories and that sort of thing. No. I just mm. – anyway, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you're working with a, a stylist, perhaps ask that question ahead of time <laughs> and what will you be bringing mm. and what would you like me to bring? Mm. Um, the other thing that you doing as, and, and this is why it's important to either have, uh, someone, a stand in, or at the very least a, uh, styrofoam head on a light stand that you can go around and pre-test your lighting. And even if you're not using any flash at all, you want to pre-test your exposure because the way, uh, you expose a shot, um, can, can differ depending on the mood you want to capture. So if you're shooting someone next to window light, uh, depending on whether you're exposing for the shadow area of the image or the highlight area of the image, you can completely change the mood of the shot. You can make it a, a very bright and flatly lit shot even using daylight or and maybe a reflector or you can make it a really moody um, sort of low-key lighting shot. So you, you want to have that decided uh, early on and so that, that's going to help you decide where you're going to position your model in relation to your source of light and if you are using uh, flash, you want to go around and set all that up in advance so that you know, okay, well, this is the modifier I need for this particular setup. This is where I need to position my uh, flash. It's just going to 
um, save a lot of time getting all of that preset so that when the person that you're photographing steps on set, you have the maximum amount of time to work with them and direct them and so that you're going to get the most out of the shot. Mm, yes, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So on that point, it's so important that you know your gear inside out. It's not the time when you've got your model on set to go, I wonder, I wonder what this button does. <laughs> You know, you, you don't want to be testing or, or trying to um, trying out a new light or a new uh, a new lighting system um, in front of your model, and because that can be stressful, and it's even more stressful if you've got someone watching you, and you can easily make um, really basic errors because uh, you, you know you're wanting to hurry the shot along, and so you want to be giving yourself uh, time to make sure that you know that your your flash is correctly connected to your camera if you're using fill flash the amount of flash that you're going to be using because otherwise you end up making uh, some really basic errors that, that, that aren't necessary so just make sure that you really understand how your lenses work how your camera works and you've checked all those um like basic details like ISO, the right shutter speed, whether you need a tripod in that location or not, and every other uh, little accessory that you might need for the shot. You've, mm. you've got it all predetermined. Yep, definitely, definitely. All right, so another really uh, important thing to know when it, to, to be able to uh, nail the shot quickly with few frames and hang on, what's my your <laughs> How frames? How to shoot and, higher quality well, images in less time with fewer with, frames and less gear. That's a great title. Yes, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like I'd call a book that one day. Um <laughs> The other thing is to really learn about lighting and how to manipulate it. So as I said earlier, you can shoot someone next to window lighting and you can radically change how that looks. So having an understanding of that is really important. And this is stuff that, you know, if you're um, at work and you have a lunch hour, you've got your camera along, you, you know, you might have someone, Jan in accounts might be sitting in the lunchroom Mm-hmm. next to the window mm-hmm. and you could ask Jan if it's okay if you just do a couple of portraits of her next to the window light and you could practice well what do I need to do to get this to look like a uh, a brightly lit shot and mm. how can I change my settings to make this a moody shot without using flash and then maybe you can experiment uh, with using flash and I think that's where the styrofoam head comes in so handy mm. because you could do that in your own time. You don't have to ask Jan because, you know, Jan can get like she can be funny sometimes. Well, mm, I know. She's a bit short. Has she I ever know. Done that I know. You? Why do you think that is? What do you She's, think her problem well, is? There's good Jan and there's not so good Jan. Depends on the day. <laughs> Yes, okay. I don't yeah. know what's going on at home, but there's just, you know, mm. there's just that she has her moments, doesn't she? Jan has issues, I know. All right. Yeah. Love her, well, though. Yeah, poor Jan. All right. I know. Had a what's hard ne- life, I think. I think so. <laughs> what's next? Um, when you develop a lighting style, I think what you want to do is work on a style that works for you. So, and then then move on when you think you've mastered that. So that I've talked about this before, the way that like you learn karate or some of those um, styles of uh, martial arts Mm -hmm. is the way the belt system works is like you start at white and then I think is it yellow is next? I really don't know. You should know this, (laughs) Val, because you do cage fighting. Yeah, but that doesn't have the same – Colors slightly different, but basically you step up, you go from um, into different colored belts, and but before you're allowed to uh, go on to a different colored belt, you have to have mastered 
the level before. And I think it's the same with lighting. It's like if you are starting with, uh, I think the obviously daylight would be the first thing you would start and then you bring in a reflector. Don't move on to fill flash until you've mastered daylight. So if you've got a really good understanding of day, basically it's learn to crawl before you, you know, start sprinting and running marathons. (laughs) So like understand daylight and what you can do because there's so much you can do uh, by manipulating daylight and then you move on to using reflectors and then you move on to using, say, the simplest form of modifier for a fill flash is to use an umbrella, but make sure you've nailed that. And so every shoot that you do for the next little while, just use the umbrella as a modifier to, and, and every time you do a shoot, you review it and you have a look, well, how are my shadows? How is it looking in relation to the backgrounds? What can I do to improve this image? And then when you feel like you couldn't do another thing to master working with umbrella, then you might change up your modifier and move to something uh, a little more difficult. And then you add another uh, style of lighting to your repertoire. Yes. So, um, but, you I know, Rome, Rome wasn't built in the day, so just do it, you know, step by step. But also think think about it in a structured approach. If you are ser- serious about doing it, maybe think, well, this month I'm going to try this and then next yep. month I'm going to add this. Then next yes. month I'm going to add this. But actually write it down and map it out because you, then yes. you'll have more chance of doing it. Exactly. And I think, uh, you know, we're all in a hurry to get there, but if Mm. you start mixing your lighting and mixing your lighting modifiers, it's really hard if you've got uh, three lights in a shot to, uh, especially uh, if you're new to lighting, to know what light is doing what, and it can get confusing. But I think it's Mm. just start with one light and mm-hmm. um, so that you can see exactly what that light is doing to your subject. Mm. Great. All right. The other thing that I think is really important is to put yourself under pressure uh, when you're shooting and uh, even mm. to the point of timing yourself. So, like, again, this can be done in the comfort of your home just with the styrofoam head. You don't even have to do that. You can just get yourself a little uh, G.I. Joe doll or a Barbie doll if you want or something like that. And But I think the styrofoam head that to scale is better because it will mm. give you a, a, a sort of a better indication of how your lighting works. But just set something up. And it might be, okay, I'm going to practice today lighting a headshot with window light only. And from start to finish, how long is it going to take me to set up my camera, get it, get an exposure and get the shot? Or put yourself under real pressure if you don't respond to fake pressure, because if it was me, I would just just keep on going, <laughs> you know, I'll just take my own sweet time. Put oh, really? yourself, Yeah, put yourself under real pressure and, you know, uh, maybe do it at sunset. You've got to do it before the sun goes down or um, you only <laughs> have a – time at your place? <laughs> 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 oh, you only have a certain window because you're trying to capture a ferry, uh, you know, going past and the yeah. ferry needs to be in the shot. So, yeah, um, yeah put yourself under real pressure. Yeah, or you could take yourself, put yourself under more pressure and hire your millennial children to um, hold the light for you and, uh, uh, and yeah. complain the entire time. Yeah, that's always, that's always an option. That's a good way. And, uh, but because, like, the reality is often when you're on set and, you, and you're working uh, with a client, the client does have, like, time constraints and they're wanting to move on to the next shot. So it's not – it's not like shooting folio. It's completely different. But if you can get used to that sort of pressure, uh, it's going to be a lot easier when it comes to the day because, I, like, mm. I hear uh, a lot of um, the uh, photographers that I'm working with in the gold community complain about, like, I completely forgot about this because I was under so much pressure. And it's like the more you do it, uh, the less these sorts of things are going to affect you and you'll just be able to methodically, you know, go, okay, I'm checking my shutter speed, light is in the right position, double-checking my background, and you just, you know, are calm in your approach and the more you do it the calmer you get it's not that's you don't feel sort of overwhelmed by all these little things that are going on to uh sort of uh you know 
derail you from the shoot. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Mm. So. All right. So um, I've got some images uh, in the show notes, Val, that I've shared that that uh, kind of um, that I just want to run through and uh, just sort of go through some of these processes uh, that we've talked about. So mm-hmm. shall we go into that? Yeah, definitely. All right. So before I start that, so basically uh, the gear that uh, I shot a lot, most of these images with was really simple, and uh, I think it's important um, to be able to work with minimal gear so in a lot of instances it was just a um a camera and a a lens no reflector and uh so the camera that i was working for uh, with i've upgraded to the as a travel camera the 5d mark IV. now it's beautiful it's a beautiful camera and the mm-hmm. 24 to 105 lens, which is my favorite traveler, which is I've always had. So the reason I love this is uh, the, the that, that combo is uh, very light. It's not as light as the uh, mirrorless system, but it it, uh, it works for me. And I've got the, uh, the option of going wide on the 24 and then I can shoot long with the 105 to get uh, – uh, portrait shots. Uh, I've also uh, added a, uh, a speed light, uh, and the modifier that I use for the majority of the shots was the uh, the Gary Fong uh, dome modifier, which I, I do like for shots on a, on the run, and then a um, uh, a pole on a voice activated stand for the shots that were lit. Mm, yes, a voice All activated right. stand. In other voice words, voice activated stand. A yes, a human so- being. A human being. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> the first image that I want to share is like, so um, on the, as I, we went on a, um, uh, a train ride from mm. Colombo to Candy, and um, if, if you're ever travelling, like public transport, getting on trains or getting in amongst uh, people is a great way to take shots, but it's also very challenging, and it's not the sort of um, location where you can sit there and go, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to plan my shot, and I'm going to take 50 frames to and, and direct my model. This was a kind of a shot that was uh, as I stepped off the train, there was this uh, guy in the window and the light was beautiful and I just had to uh, line up and shoot. I didn't have a lot of time to think. So um, I think as an exercise, as you're walking around to do a lot of um, street photography on manual, Val, Mm, and basically – teach you to uh, use your reflexes to react to the shot and to also learn how to dial in your shutter speed and set your aperture so that you get the shot and also know what you're looking for. So I like to um, expose for highlights in images like this Mm -hmm. and let my shadows go and and that's what I did. What do you mean go? What does that mean go? So let them go to black. Uh, I don't care because this was – if I had a – in this image so it's a man sitting in the window of a train and uh, his face is lit but the rest has gone to black and the exterior of the train is lit now I could have exposed this in two different ways had I have exposed for the shadow the interior of the train I would have had an image where you would have seen the crowd of people in the train as well Mm. and it would have been a lot messier a shot. And so had I have set my camera to automatic, that's exactly what the camera would have done. It would have exposed for an average of the entire scene and you would have gotten all the detail throughout the train and this um, lovely gentleman that I photographed would have been lost uh, amongst all the other people that were in the train. So just focusing on his face and exposing for the highlight, the brightest area of the image, meant that uh, I was able to drop the exposure overall and just focus on his face as being the hero of the shot. Yeah, right. Fantastic. It's a great shot too. Yeah. And so, and also, so so in that, 
that, thanks, Val. In that few seconds, I also had to compose my image. So I wanted to uh, make sure that uh, he wasn't um, bang smack in the middle of the frame. So I had time to uh, line my image up and make sure that he was a third of the way in. I positioned my mm. the, the main uh, hero of my frame a third of the way in and allowed for the uh, the rest of the carriage to take up the the um, the remainder of the frame. So this is all done in a split second and it's kind of like um, the way that you see maybe a basketballer when they train they'll sit there and they'll do drills where they'll just shoot at goal shoot Mm. at goal shoot Mm. at goal for their last hour of training and you think well why are they doing that and what it is it's like it's muscle memory they're doing it repetitively repeatedly because when it comes to being on on the in a game and they're 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 shooting at goal under pressure they're not Mm. sitting there thinking all right my hand is going to go up and then i'm going to let the ball go at this point and then i'm going to get the goal they're not even thinking it's just they just do so when you in terms of just doing if you are shooting on manual mounted street photography and therefore you know, you need to make your decisions quite quickly. Um, would you suggest that the order is um, until you – and, of course, you need to just do this systematically until it becomes quicker and quicker and quicker. Yeah. Would you suggest that the order is pick your F-stop first, depending on the, you know, depth of field that you want to achieve, then pick your ISO, then pick your shutter speed? What would you suggest in an order of decision-making? Yeah, so basically when you're um, in an environment like this, you you, you would probably uh, make sure that you've uh, kind of already set your um, ISO, you're knowing that, okay, I'm walking around, I'm outside, it's bright sunlight, so you know that I'm going to have as low an ISO as possible, right? Right. And then I'm going to set my um, aperture to how I want my shot to look. Do I want it to be sharp all the way through or do I just want my, do I want my background out of focus? And then I'm choosing my shutter speed uh, accordingly to to get the correct exposure. But before Mm -hmm. I do that, I'm choosing my shot valve. Yes, yes, of course, of course. I mean, that's, yes, presuming you know what you want to shoot yeah. yes of course so you're lining it up you, 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 you're bringing the camera up you're looking through the viewfinder you're lining up your shot and then you're looking I'm looking at my um, exposure meter and I know mm-hmm. that uh, okay for this shot I'm going to uh, shoot uh, a fairly shallow depth of field and then I know then I'm just changing my shutter speed to right. make sure that I get the the, the, uh, the correct um, exposure there so so it's it's kind of it comes down to a trial and error, and that's that's why it's a good idea to at least or once a week, even if it's just in your lunch hour or as often as possible, to just be wandering around with the camera. Because mm. when I first started doing this years and years ago, I was still stuck in a studio mindset with the mm. way that I shot, and I was also um, stuck with a I shoot on tripod mindset, and so I often had my shutter speed. To too slow when I was doing street photography and I would yeah. often miss too many shots because I was under like a 60th of a second and I might be just out of focus because in the rush to get my um, to get the shot there might be a bit of movement there so um, in doing lots and lots and lots of these I know that I want to have my shutter speed um, you know up around a 250th of a second or even faster so that I know I can nail right of course especially for street photography but that's that's coming back to um, find the style that you want to shoot in and do a lot of it but after each shot really study the images and and look at it well what can I improve and it's in doing Doing that and it was um who was the uh sport photographer matt matt um the rodeo photographer that we uh interviewed a couple of a few weeks ago was saying um 
the, the same thing about what he would do after each uh, rodeo is he'd go back and he'd look over every single shot and he'd say, right, that light wasn't right there, that shutter speed is too slow, and he'd, and he'd systematically pick apart the shot and and, uh, and remember everything that he needed to do for next time. And that's what I, that's what I do. I'm just hypercritical about my images and, and, and I think, right, next time I need a faster shutter speed. And or, that's Matt uh, Cohen. Matt Cohen, thank you, mm. Val. It, um, uh, like um, a top guy, so generous yeah. with his information. Yeah. Um, and for and anyone who hasn't, who is a bit nervous about shooting manual, make sure you do check out Gina's course, how to sh- how to get off auto and shoot on manual mode or how to sh- master manual mode and get off auto forever because I used to be one of those people who used to, if I wasn't quite shooting auto but I was shooting on aperture priority or, you know, um, thinking that I was halfway there, but I only ever shoot on manual now and that has only happened to me this year and that is because of Gina's course. So make sure you check that out if you're if you haven't quite taken the plunge into 100% manual mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, all right. So th- that's it. So just set yourself that task and be super critical. And it's like giving yourself homework all the time because it's the practice that's going to make you know mean that when the the like the, a shot like this that it's 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 going to happen in front of you does happen. You're going to be ready. Mm. So. Um, there's another example under that where I've got a, a couple of kids that are riding towards. Uh, I love this shot. And, and yes, I've, I've shot them as they're just about to exit the frame, but yes. I had so time. There's, to see. There's a, so there's basically a dirt road, and that is sort of on on. Uh, you can see it in terms of perspective going off into the distance, and it's surrounded by jungle on both sides, or green trees anyway. I assume it's a jungle, and the road is kind of curving from the left to almost the right um, and yeah these two kids one's riding the bike and one's like on the front bit like on the handlebars sort of thing uh, two boys in school uniform it looks like on a very very old bike and and as Gina said um, exiting the frame almost to the right and of course we'll put all of these images that we're referring to in the show notes which you can find at ginamilitia.com but yes what you're going to say about this particular image Gina I love so this shot. This, this image was taken as I was getting into uh, the the tuk-tuk to go to another location and I just finished a shot and I was about to leave and I saw the kids. You can see in the very far distance of this shot there's a guy on a motorbike. Yep. That's where I spotted them coming down the road and I already, already knew I wanted this shot. So I, I had the time and it was only a few seconds, Val, but I had the time to line up my shot mm. and then I had the time to rehearse the shot as in to be able to track them and to switch over to um, continuous focus so that I could track them as they came through the shot and also adjust my exposure to uh, make sure that I got the shot and then I knew that that's, that's where I wanted them. So I kept shooting as they were coming towards me and then through the frame but I was able to line it up mm-hmm. and uh, and think about it and this is because I've shot lots of these like that before so it's a matter of practice and then when uh, the shot like that presents itself you're able to recognize it and you can see it and uh, and, and and get the shot yeah right it's really yeah cool very very cool shot All right, so uh, next image is like about understanding how light works and understanding what you can do with your camera and what you can do in um, post-production. So it's an image of a a woman sort of in the hills of uh, Sri Lanka and it was like full sun that I I photographed her in and uh, basically what I've done is I've underexposed the image so that I would get detail in the background and then I've managed to be be, knowing that in post-production I know what – Lightroom or Photoshop is capable of and I know how much detail I'm able to pull out of my shadows. So knowing that in advance, I knew that I could deliberately underexpose this image to be able to get all the detail through because this image, I didn't have, if I had have pulled out the lights and set up the shot, she would have been long gone. So I couldn't get that that way. I just had to get what was in front of me so I was able to get the portrait that I wanted to because um, I've spent the time um, testing and retesting what the camera is capable of and how far I can push uh, exposure in post-production. 
Mm. So yeah. it's a really good exercise to do. So just, just a matter of um, taking someone around and shooting them in different lighting conditions where you've got them in full sun and uh, what can you do just with available light in, in those kind of conditions because there will be times when that's all you have to work with. So mm. learning how to make the most of what you've got is going to be a real game changer. Yeah, definitely. And this shot has so much character of this lady. You, you know, it's um, I want to know more about her story. Yeah, yeah. and so that's what you want. You want to create an intriguing image uh, as well. So using those techniques. Um, the next one, Val, is also it comes with the planning the image. So this shot, it's like I was uh, walking along the street and I found a uh, like a, an old abandoned, um, it's like a, cor- a corner store or a general mm. store. It's just but boarded I really, up. I boarded up, but mm-hmm. I loved the boards. The boards yes. are like this rustic blue um, board that you can still see you can see the old timber coming through the paint Mm. and uh, I knew that this would be the ideal backdrop for a shot and then it was just a matter of lining up my shot getting everything ready and waiting for the right person to come into the frame and then waiting and then shooting um, and waiting for them to be in the right position so I've uh, in the show notes uploaded the uh, the series of image I the series of images that I took to get the one that uh, I used as the final image. So the guy's just coming into frame and I'm shooting. He's uh, like a a quarter of the way into the frame. He's a third of the way into the frame and then he's halfway into the frame. And the image that I wanted, the one that I had in my mind's eye was when he was a third of the way into frame. Yes. And you've got that. And you were, and it shows your obsession once again with bikes. Beautiful, like the bikes. And the other thing that I also loved about the uh, light in this image as well, that he is backlit, which separates him from the background, and you also get the combination of his backlit, but you also get the beautiful shadow of the bike uh, on the um, on the bitumen in, in in front of the bike. So, which which adds a, like another uh, sort of dimension to the shot as well. Yeah, yeah. And it comes as no surprise. You're going to hate this actually, Gina. But um, so I got a bike a couple of Christmases ago, but because um, I never ride it, uh, my partner took it to the tip and so the bike has gone to heaven now. And then within 24 hours, he found out about this um, stand thing, this thing that you can buy where you can put your bike, a regular bike onto it. So it works like a, you know, exercise bike, a spin bike, but you can, um, attach it to your, uh, an app on your phone and you can go cycling in the Pyrenees or you can do the Tour de France or you can do the whatever. And I'm like, see you idiot. Like you threw the bike away that you could could have used for this. Yes. Would you use it? Well, like the, I used my Xbox Connect once, <laughs> I'd use it at some point. I think I'd use it, but he wants it is my point. But the bike's gone now, so yeah, bad luck. Got, exactly, bad luck. Anyway, so the next image also has a bike. I love this shot because it's like of a back lane of a dirt mm. road and there's like a concrete wall on one side and a dirt road and then sort of like villagey kind of look on the other side and there's an old rusty old bike leaning in the foreground on against the concrete wall and then the, the dirt track leads off into the distance and there is a guy – um, yeah, just a guy from the local area, it seems, uh, walking down the road in the right of the frame. And it seems like it's really casual, I just happened to snap this shot kind of shot. Yeah. Um, and but it's, it's not because I great. set it up. So I, like, <laughs> you know, borrowed a, borrowed a bike. Can I borrow your bike? I leaned it against the wall and then yeah. I sl- lined it up, got the laneway going through, the, the roadway going through the shot, which leads us uh, through the shot to the end. Yeah. And then I uh, basically waited. It was kind of a, a busy road where people walked and drove through, uh, waited for the human element to uh, enter the frame, which adds life because I think if the shot just had the bike, it would be a bit a bit lonely. Mm. Uh, all right, so 
there's another couple of images here which shows how to uh, how manipulating the light can really change the mood that you want to create in the shot. So this is really easy to experiment. So you've got an image of a beach, and I could have um, I, I shot that as a bright well-lit image and you've got detail in the sky, detail in the water, and it's just a flatly lit image. Uh, so, But then I can take the same image and expose uh, only for the highlights and it completely changes the mood of the image. So you've got this uh, moody, almost uh, silhouette look and uh, two completely different images. So it's um, a really fun thing to do is to find the same location and every day at different times of the day experiment with just available light and and your shutter speed and what you're exposing for in the shot can and, and see how you can change the mood and feel of the shot just by the way you manipulate your mm. exposure. Yes, there's some great examples in the show notes, so make sure you check them out at ginamilitia.com. Um, and as Gina said, you can manipulate it and completely change the mood and completely make it look like even a different time of day, even like a different location. Uh, so definitely check them out. They're awesome. Okay. Uh, yes, so is, is, is that it, Gina? Just one more, Val. So we've got uh, a final shot uh, of a uh, surfer uh, by the name of uh, Aloha and uh, just you can see in the show notes there's a couple of different variations he was shot using uh, fill flash mm. which means that you've got a moody background and you can also do the same shot using available light and uh, over exposing for skin tone and so I've included the uh, Lightroom presets to uh, show you how to get the shot just using available light and uh, and bringing back the exposure in post-production and uh, the difference in the look and feel of the shot uh, compared to when when it was lit um, using uh, a bit of fill flash and there's also a still uh, showing a behind the scenes of that particular shot there as well cool okay fantastic well there's lots and lots to think about so thank you so much that was an awesome uh episode and with the most lovely top title how to shoot high quality <laughs> images in less time with fewer frames and less gear yes. so listeners if you want to shoot higher quality images in less time with fewer frames and less gear uh, it's <laughs> I hopefully that you you have learned exactly that in this episode uh, so that brings us to the end of this week's installment where do we find you online Gina so ginamilitia.com, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A, at Gina Militia on Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest. You can find my videos on YouTube. Just search for Gina Militia. I'm also in the Facebook and in the Facebook group and in the Gold community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure that you connect with both of us on Facebook as well. Thanks so much for listening, everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com. 